joined with my regular co-host, Fantastic Cal McFadden, um, immediately after the West Ham League Cup game, as we promised that we would do this. Um, disappointing result, Callum. Um, what's your take on what we just saw, mate? It is a disappointing result, and the, my take on it is that I felt Oli picked a team tonight that was more than strong enough to win this game. I think mm-hmm. a lot of the players who started tonight had a real opportunity to put yep. a marker down and, and showcase that they should get more minutes on the park. I don't think many of them took that opportunity. Um, I thought Van de Beek actually had a, a relatively good game. Me I thought too, Sancho yep. showed a couple of flashes, but other than that, I was really disappointed with a lot of the performances and the two performances, if I'm being honest, that disappointed me most were Martial and Tellez, two players that, in my opinion, should have been all out tonight to prove that they could put pressure on the players in their positions. But for me, they just showed that they're not good enough to be relied on um, in in, in the medium to long term. As I say, it's only one game. Maybe I'm a bit emotional because we've lost the game, but I was really disappointed with those two players in particular. Thought Tellez improved. Uh, first ten minutes he was poor, um, definitely. And um, in his slight defence, he's had a long injury. Yeah. So um, I can sort of understand that. Martial's one that concerns me because you're quite right, Cam. Never more than at any other time has Anthony Martial's stock at Manchester United been lower. And when you look at what's ahead of him in the front three, and Rashford, Rashford's not far away from coming back. This is a young lad not just fighting for his reputation, he's fighting for his career at Manchester United because he needs to remind people why he's a top talent. You've still got Cavani back to come back. I would say out of the team that started tonight, how many of those players have given Solskjaer a problem for the weekend? Not many. Well, positive, if you wanted to take one from it, was Van der Beek. Look, the League Cup isn't a cup that's going to save Solskjaer's career. Right, it's not a cup that's going to, by any metric, mean success at the end of the season. It's one of those competitions that you win on the way to success. It's a, it's a, it's a barometer of success. It's a, you know, it's an indicator of success, but it's not success. So that being said, when you haven't won trophies, you don't have the ability and the right to be choosy about which ones you win. So this is something that, it's a negative for Solskjaer. It's the League Cup has relevance between it because they have a big squad and it helps get players games. However, one of the things that we saw tonight is that in the likes of Van der Beek's defense, when you're playing with lesser players, right, in, in the League Cup and what have you, it's hard to get the same stats. Like Van der Beek should be sitting on an amazing assist tonight before Greenwood should take that chance, right? Comes a bit early, right? But um, it's, I would certainly say it's easier to play in United starting 11 than it is to play in that team. It's disjointed. Um, another concern for me tonight, I, I hate to, to say this, Callum, is Sancho. Um, imagine if United hadn't have signed Ronaldo. Imagine the criticism and the stress and the pressure on Chancel right now. Because if United don't sign Ronaldo, Callum, how many of the games have they, would they have won? Would they have beat West Ham away? Probably not. Right? You look at the game against Southampton away, he was ineffective. Right? You uh, you look at Ronaldo's game game against Newcastle where you know he comes on and scores a couple of goals. He makes an immediate impact. I'm looking at Sancho going, he looks like a lad really struggling for confidence. 
he looks like a player struggling for confidence. You, you are right. I thought he had a couple of brief flashes. That the ball across the park was towards the end of the game was very nice. But I suppose the argument that you would make with that is we want him taking on players. We want him getting shots at goal. We want to see him um, playing real through balls that can be a real um, assist or could lead to a real goal-scoring opportunity rather than just spreading the, the ball across the park, which I suppose you could argue any player at this level should be able to do without major pressure. But I think for him, the summer must have been difficult for him in the sense that he was a player who was performing incredibly well at Dortmund for a club that is one of the biggest clubs in Germany. He was performing well in the Champions League. And I think he would have backed himself to really break into that England team in the summer and and, and make an impact. Unfortunately, he didn't. He made one start, I believe, in that whole tournament. He was on the bench for most of it. He comes on in the final with Rashford. They, they missed the penalties, as we all know. Um, and, I, and I think coming to United after that summer, maybe it's it's probably the worst time that he could have come after experiencing that in the final. But you would think that he would be enthused by this challenge. The move's been muted for a year. And of course, I'm not questioning his professionalism or his personal motivation, but he just looks like a player who, pardon the pun, is, is jaded. And I think that's something that would be a real worry um, if, if that continues going forward, considering there's two international breaks coming up that you would expect him to be picked for. And I actually think if his form continues like this in the next couple of weeks, Phil, I think Ollie should have a discussion with Southgate about Sancho and say, look, can he stay back for the next international break? Mm. Because something needs to be done because he's just not got that verve that we expected when we signed. Yeah, well, like I said, one of the things about Cristiano Ronaldo is going to do is take the pressure off people like Sancho. Uh, and he has done that uh, because scrutiny right on Jadon Sancho right now would be absolutely immense. Um, people forget, Callum, that prior to him coming to United, he hadn't played a Premier League game before. So, of course, there's an adjustment period. Um, and when you look at Timo Werner, when you look at Kai Havertz, two players that were magnificent at Bundesliga, Jadon Sancho, magnificent at Bundesliga, you know, they've all had adjustment issues. And um, so, to me, I think uh, we're sitting here a year in where Kai Havertz and and uh, and um, thing, uh, sorry, uh, Timo Werner, sorry, what happens when you get old? Uh, but um, to see them playing so well, or to see them struggling, you know, a year in, you know, that this is sometimes what it takes, and I can get concerned that Jaden Sancho won't be given a year. Um, or like if Kai Havertz and Timo Werner signed for United, they'd be getting slaughtered. I know Havertz scored one in the Champions League final, but overall, he hasn't done what people thought he was going to be brought in to do. Um, so if he, if, if that's Sancho, Sancho's going to get slaughtered, and uh, United cannot become overly reliant on Ronaldo to win games, and that's the downside of someone like Cristiano Ronaldo is that the team just inevitably becomes dependent upon him. Really, really important um, that these other players step up. And, uh, you know, the thing is with, with Sancho, Carl, when Rashford's fit, Greenwood's fit, Ronaldo's fit, could you justify starting him? At this moment, absolutely not. Um, Lingard made a, a big impact from the bench at the weekend as well. And I'm not suggesting that Lingard is going to displace him over a, a long period of time because I don't think he will. But at the moment, 
on current form and performances that we've seen, even Lingard would be ahead of him in terms of making an impact in games. And I think that shows you where he is at this moment in time. He is a player that needs to get confidence. This game tonight, a lot of people, including myself, thought would be the perfect sort of game. League Cup, yep, maybe, a bit, maybe, maybe less pressure. If he gets an early goal or an early assist, then maybe he'll spark into life. But as I say, just looked a bit jaded and... And it worries me in the sense that if he's if he can't get this right in the next four, five, six weeks, then it could become a long season for him. And the fact that he is English, I think, puts even more pressure on him. Yep. Havertz and Werner, of course, as you say, if they were the United Phil, they would get slaughtered. But because he is English, a lot of people won't. Pundits, fans alike, I don't think will will seriously give him a period of adjustment. And and you've mentioned the fact that quite rightly. He hasn't played in the Premier League, so maybe it is unrealistic for him to come in and completely hit the ground running. That being said, even if you're not producing goals and assists every single game like Ronaldo at the moment, you still expect more. You still expect energy. You still expect enthusiasm. And at the moment, as you see, he looks at a player low in confidence and quite concerningly for me, more on energy at times. And maybe that could be part of nerves and maybe a goal or an important assist can maybe turn that around for him and we'll see him play with a bit of a swagger that he's renowned for. But certainly at the moment, I don't see him being able to knock all his door and say, I should be starting at the weekend because mm. I, I wouldn't be starting him in this current form, not at all. Yeah, and so uh, there becomes the problem. So one of the things that we haven't seen United do is they haven't really played that, ex- that well this season. And some of the problems that were evident tonight have also been evident in other games. I thought United's final ball tonight was really poor. Um, often the, it was either hitting a West Ham player or, or pull, it was overhit, underhit, you know, pulled too far back. And it just, every time it went forward, it frustrating. We saw it with Harry Maguire last week where he, he, he couldn't string a pass together. And we see this, this is something that, okay, you expect a little bit at the start of the season, but not now. You know, we've had an international break. We're four or five weeks in this season. You should be finding your rhythm now. Now, I know we saw City against Southampton at the weekend where they were poor. You know, they've all, they, they, I think that's their second draw or, or they're, they're you know, lost in the draws. They lost to Spurs. Um, so, you know, no one's perfect yet. But to me, Callum, I think when I, when I look at the way United have started the season, they still haven't found their rhythm. They still haven't found their form. They st- and, and and we're saying this as a Manchester United team that have won every game but one and drawn, which is, uh, to me, uh, obviously, with we, we, Champions League, was a problem, was a concern. Um, and, and the League Cup, that's not good for Solskjaer's reputation. Um, but, and I think it's great that we can sit here and say as United fans, despite the fact you know they've won every game in the league and drawn one, that we're still not playing well. Um I've said it before, Callum, we've said it many, many times with Solskjaer. This really is the show-and-tell season. This really is the part where he where he shows his work. Because United cannot be in a perpetual rebuild forever. And no manager gets to consistently be in the early man at Manchester United. But here is a question of Manchester United's ball, of Manchester United's stomach. What if United find themselves in a situation at the end of the season... Or Solskjaer's finished second again, right? Respectable finish. They're sitting, I don't know, six points off four winners, right? And they came close in other competitions. When you look at Mourinho, you look at Van Hal, you look at Moyes. The easiest thing in the world to do was sack them because that was what you had to do. 
And that was the consensus view of the vast majority of supporters and people that covered the game was that they had to be sacked. But do you need to have the stomach or have the balls to sack a man who's done a good job, just not a good enough job? Because there's not going to be that negative sentiment at the club that there was under Moyes, Mourinho or Van Hal, where it was like, this is toxic, we need to make a change. Fans are going nuts. So do you, can they find a way to sack a club legend who's done a good job, just not a good enough job? Because there's risk involved with that club because you sack Solskjaer or you make a change, whatever. Um, you could go backwards as a club. And United aren't that far removed from the football club that was a mess where everything was wrong. Now most things are right. So you run the risk of going backwards, but you also need to make sure the club reaches its destination. What is Manchester United? Are Manchester United content with finishing second? I don't know, but, but could Solskjaer find himself in a situation where, uh, and do United have the stomach to do it? I doubt United will have the stomach to sack him on and finish his second, even though it's a fair question from the all out crowd. Hey, at some point he has to start winning trophies. Absolutely, it's a fair question. And, and I, I would side with you in the sense that I personally don't think United would have the stomach to do that. I think, though, any successful football club would have to look at it and ask themselves a brutally honest question. Has this man reached his peak? And I'm taking Ollie out of the equation. If it was any football club, has the man we've currently got in charge, is he going to? Is he naturally going to be an early man? Can he get us to this stage? And do we need someone else to take us over the line? Now, I'm not suggesting Carlo Ancelotti should be Manchester United manager, but the point I want to make is Carlo Ancelotti for many years was seen as a sort of manager that you bring in to get you over the line in, in Europe. To maybe get the, His league record isn't particularly spectacular, but he was considered the sort of manager you bring in if you want Europe, uh, European Cup success because he's been there and done it and he'll take a nearly team over the line. The thing that I would say, Phil, is are there obvious names out there that, that would immediately come in and improve United? If you look at the usual suspects that are linked... Zidane's out of work. Would he come in and automatically prove United? Improve United? I'm not so sure. He's been successful at Real Madrid. He's been incredibly successful at Real Madrid. But I think managing United's a different ball game when it comes to the politics of Real Madrid. Zidane knows the club. He's been there twice, and in the end, second time around, he had to really admit defeat. Say, look, I'm walking away from this. You think of Antonio Conte, who's been mentioned. I don't think that's a good fit for United at all, in my honest opinion. Mm -hmm. I think of the players that United have, Sancho, Greenwood, Rashford, Ronaldo. Conte reminds me of Mourinho. He is defensive-minded first. Not to say yes. that his teams can't attack well at times, but I think if you're bringing Conte in, you're probably looking at going three at the back. Then you've got really big questions over that front uh, front line because if you're playing with the full-backs, sorry, the wing-backs to give you your width then, how are you realistically going to get a lot of the exciting attacking players United have got on the team? How are you going to strengthen the centre of the park um, in that sort of system to make sure that Pogba and Fernandez can flourish? I think he would, he, again, is another manager that would pose more questions than answers. So it's a long-winded point. Apologies for rambling on, but I just think there isn't an obvious Thomas Tuchel-like manager out there. Like when Lampard was gone, Chelsea could say, he's now mm -hmm. available, we've got to get him and bring him in. You might disagree, but I just don't see an obvious fit when you say, if Ollie goes tomorrow, we need to go and get this guy. He is, he's nailed on to improve it and take us over the line. I don't see anyone out there. That doesn't mean that in 12 months there might not be someone out there, but at this moment in time, I just can't look at anyone and say, I think he's the guy to take us to this next level. Somebody might, 
be listening and say, here's three or four obvious names, but I just don't see them at the moment personally. Yeah, and that is another question. Do you trust United to get that decision right? Um, who's making that decision? You know, and so when you look at so much of what's going on at United right now, the contrast between what we had under Mourinho before, and I'm not blaming Mourinho entirely on this, you know, it's fault too. It's just unrecognisable. So the question really becomes is, if you look at a lot of the synergy between, well, let me let me back up. If you go back to Ferguson, when Ferguson left United, United saw that as an opportunity to redistribute uh, power inside the football club. So instead of, you know, they, they, they usurp power from the manager because Ferguson was essentially you know, an autocratic dictator, um, good, bad or indifferent. You know, he, he was managing a football club that, um, that he, he essentially built. So they weren't going to take his power away. And in some sense, the Ferguson tenure, as great as it was, also held United back as a football club because they didn't modernise. If you looked at all the other football clubs that had turnover, they were forced to modernise. They brought in directors of football. They knew they had to have synergy between the football club and the board because they couldn't have revolution every time they sack a manager. But United were sort of a football club doing business in a way that was stuck in an old era. They bring in also Woodward. Right now, Woodward and David Guild hate each other. Right, uh, it's well established fact. So, Edward were come in to do the job differently to David Guild, and I have no doubt David Guild was an exceptionally popular man inside Old Trafford. Okay, you ask United employees, they love him. Okay, I never once spoken to an United employee who didn't absolutely love him. So, you can bet your life there was internal politics going on inside United when Woodward took over with people that didn't like him. Now, what I will say in Edward Woodward's defence, when he came into the football club, he did make an effort to try to reach out and communicate with fans in a way that David Gill never did. Right? <clears throat> now, he got a lot of criticism for being a bit naive. Right? Um, and uh, But he did make an effort in the beginning. Um, they took all his power away and made a complete mess of running a football club because they didn't know what it took to run a football club. Now, they're starting to learn. It's taken a long, long time. But Edward was about to leave. Richard Arnold will probably take that position. Um, do you trust this football club that they will not they will they, they will resist the temptation to bring that power back to the to the money man at the top and, and their ego? Or have they really learned from the past? Because Calm, the big test for me is what do you see yourself as? Do you see yourself as a Real Madrid or do you see yourself as a Disneyland? Because if it's a Disneyland and it's all about brand, fine, then second will be okay. But if it's really about a football club being serial winners, then you have no choice but to dig deep within yourself to make that change at the end of the season. I just don't feel that you know it will because I think that they look at success through a profit and loss column, not a win-loss column. And when they see the football club still making good money, they will not be prompted to change. That's what I feel. If United finish in the top four, um, obviously we're talking about second in this scenario at the moment, but if United finish comfortably within the top four and are getting to the last eight of the Champions League, then 
Unfortunately, history shows us, Phil, that I think the current United hierarchy would be relatively content with that. You think mm-hmm. about the departure of Moyes when Champions League football wasn't going to be delivered. You think about the situation with Van Hal, he goes as Champions League football, it's not going to be delivered. Similar to, to Mourinho as well, because it certainly looked as if it was heading that way. As long as United are comfortably in that top four, I think yeah, I, I dread to, to say that. I think, I, think, I think they will be content with that. The signings this summer of Ronaldo, of Sancho and Varane should be taking United closer. That should hopefully be a, a stepping stone towards getting closer. The big test will be next summer. Do they sit on that and think, we've already got a good squad, we'll maybe let a couple go and bring in a couple of young players that they've done in the past. Or will they be ready to go again when someone like a Haaland comes onto the market? I'm not saying United will be in the mix, but someone like that might come onto the market due to release clause. Some of the top midfielders in that home role, and Didi's been linked with numerous top clubs. Someone like him next summer, Leicester might be willing to cash in. Um, will United be in the mix for these sorts of players? Or will it be a case of, right, we've got a little closer, but we made a really big investment in some big names last season that can take us forward. We'll go with a couple of projects, we'll protect the balance sheet, and that's the way we'll approach it. That's that's the worry I have, and as you say, history tells us that since Ferguson left, I know people talk about ruthlessness in Moyes, but Moyes was miles off the Champions League. It was an easy decision to make, especially when Woodward hadn't appointed them, as we talked about last week, so... I don't think they will be ruthless as long as their money and their sponsorships are protected. I hope I'm wrong because at the end of the day, we're football fans. We want to see the best for the football club, the on-field department for the fans in that stadium. Having a commercial partner who's your official soup partner or your official Mm. television partner is great for business. But at the end of the day, it's what happens on the field and how the the atmosphere is around the fans and the, the stadium experience and the experience the players have on the training ground that, that I really care about because I want United to be the best in class on the field, the best in class in terms of facilities, and I also want the fans to have a stadium that they can be proud of, and those have been questionable for a number of years. The stadium, obviously, I don't know if United have, have, have really announced anything to commit to that. So they're trying to improve the training ground. Whether mm-hmm. it goes further enough, people can decide. There was reports that came out about um, some upgrades that will happen, and certainly they've improved on the park. So a long way to go for people like myself and you, Phil, and, and other fans listening to be fully satisfied. This summer feels that like it's going partially in the right direction, but whether they stick to this or change trajectory, time will tell. Well, the other thing is, Callum, you don't bring in Ronaldo if you're okay with finishing second, because he's not. And exactly. if he gets if he gets a sense inside that football club that the club are content with finishing second, this will be a one season deal, right? And this is the double edged sword of bringing in a, a brand monster like Ronaldo. Is that yes, you it's great you can monetize him, but think about how toxic it's going to become if he gets a sense that not everyone's doing everything they can to win a league title, right? And I, I just feel that that is United have, have brought in winners. I think clearly Solskjaer knows he's in that part of the job where he has to start delivering, right? Um, because it, no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm, I love Solskjaer, and I'm desperate for him to be successful. And I desperately don't want to see. See, this is this is where the emotional side kicks in because. If you're sitting here sitting second at the end of the season where there's really been no progress, there's an emotional decision and a logical decision. And nobody wants Solskjaer to be sacked. Certainly most people who love a football club don't. You may not like him, you may not rate him, 
but really, if you've got no concern as to whether this turns ugly for the man, I don't understand you. You know, to me, um, he's a club legend, which is irrefutable. Um, so I think he has some... I think if he was to win, say, a Champions League and finish second, he'd be all right. But he's got to win either the Premier League or a Champions League. And I don't think he needed it. What I would say, Callum, is see the Champions League, it's there for the taking for anyone and to dominate for the next four or five years. Um, and if United aren't thinking of being one of those football clubs, then I would ask, what are they doing? Um, let me ask you about uh, Diogo Dallo. Uh, how do you think he played tonight? And do you think he is someone that is a legitimate alternative to Aaron uh, Wampasaka? I think I think Dallow's a steady player. Um, I don't think he's realistically someone who will challenge Juan Bissaka week in, week out, because I'm yet to be convinced over a period of time that he can deliver consistently good performances in that position or any of the full-back positions. But I think he's one of those players who you, you sort of know what you're getting with him. He's steady. Um, at times, his end product can let him down. But... I suppose you could say the same with Juan Bissaka, but for me, he's a, he's a steady player, and best, in my opinion, he has a squad option. I would love to be proven wrong, but I don't think he's someone that Ollie will look at at this moment and think, you're a stick-on to come in and start the next 10 games in that position. That's why I think United really had to go, if possible, and get a right-back in the summer. Obviously, Trippier was, was seriously linked. Someone that I think Juan Bissaka could look at and think, my position is seriously under threat here. I don't get that impression with Dallow, even though, as I say, he has been steady when he's come in. I completely agree. Um, big season for him. And he must have seen this as a tremendous opportunity for him because if he does show any type of consistency, any type of form, you know, United are going to be much more inclined to let him be the successor than have to go out and buy one. So this is going to be Dallow's best opportunity, in my opinion, to make it at a top, top football club. Uh, and if he does, it, this is the thing with as long as you're average, and one of the problems with players tonight is they have no right now to go and ask for a to play, right? Um, but if you play well, one of two things happen. You either keep the shirt or you the guy that keeps it has to perform to a higher standard. So for Dallo, I don't think he has to be exceptional to get in ahead of Wambasak. Wambasak is good defensively, but he's very, very limited going forward. Um, I think... The fact that he's very good at one skill is what gets him in ahead of Dallow because maybe Dallow isn't very good at any skill, but he's probably a bit more balanced in terms of his ability going forward and what have you. Um, Dean Henderson, what did you make of him tonight? I thought he was, again, it was, it was a, a decent performance. I thought he did a really good save at his, um, his near post towards the end, which was, was quite tricky. Um, distribution is still, in my opinion, not the best from him. I look at the hair's form this season so far, Phil, and see a rejuvenated goalkeeper, as we've talked about in recent weeks. Mm-hmm. And I don't see anything yet from Henderson, even tonight, that says he's really going to displace the hair this season and he's going to go on and be the number one for, for years to come. I, I just look at someone who had an opportunity last season. I don't think he took it to the best of his ability. The hair had a few t- tricky times. He certainly came back and looked like the goalkeeper of old. It's early days in the season yet, and of course, like any goalkeeper in the league, he could have another couple of dodgy errors coming his way soon. You just never know. But for me, De Gea started the season very well. Henderson, steady goalkeeper. But again, like I said with Dallow, there's nothing that I've watched from him yet that makes me think he's going to get a real run of games for 10, 12 matches in a row unless there's an injury. 
Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that's happened the first couple of games this season is we've had the question settled as to who's the better goalkeeper. Much like the champion in boxing, you have to take a belt off him. I don't think Henderson's done enough, having seen both of them, to take that shirt and expect that shirt. Um, I don't know what's outstanding quality. Like, I mean, if you talk to me about De Gea, I'm going to say his weaknesses are he's, he's on his line too much, his weaknesses are his kicking. Right. Um, Henderson's definitely more vocal. Definitely comes off his line. Kicking's not great either. Um, but David De Gea, as we saw at the weekend, and we saw against Southampton, still has brilliant individual saves in him. Now, I know you can argue about his penalty record you know, against Villarreal and everything's been poor. But this David De Gea is significantly better than Dean Henderson. So to me, there's no question to be answered when it comes to that. I agree, and the thing I would say with Henderson, and again, this might be a naive comment, um, but I, I think Henderson's one of these goalkeepers. He's a very confident boy, which I think is is absolutely necessary. He needs some football arrogance to play for a club like Manchester United, but mm. at times I just feel that he wants to overcomplicate it. Rather than just make the save and make the simple catch, he wants to, at times, I feel, make it look good or, or try and go out his way to, to make, it look, make it into an even better save than it really needs to be. And that's something that I think will leave his game with maturity in more games. But it's something that, unfortunately, I just don't think you can do when you're in the goal for United. You need to just do the basics right. Make, crucially, give the defence confidence behind you. And at the moment, De Gea has given me that confidence watching um, the team. Never mind how the confidence he must be given the, the back four in front of him. But the penalty save at the weekend can only be even better for his confidence. The fact he's broken that duck of, I think, 40-odd penalties, including shootouts. And the, the individual saves he's made have really impressed um, everyone, um, United fans and, and neutrals alike. The, the, save at, the saves at Wolves were exceptional. And, and, and even again at the weekend, he's always able to make saves with his feet as well as his hands, which I think is a good quality because there's so many goalkeepers out there that you see that they can concede a lot of goals when it's coming straight at them down the middle, whereas De Gea is very good, as we know, with his legs and getting them into positions to, to try and get the ball away, which which always has really impressed me um, since he really matured and settled in England after that difficult first season. So, for me, as I say, Henderson, a goalkeeper that, again, the dangerous sport in football has potential, but certainly at the moment, De Gea is number one, undisputed for me, and, and I don't see that changing in the next couple of months unless there's an injury. I really don't. Now, I know we've talked about this before. Uh, Phil Jones on the bench tonight. We've had loads of people upset at Phil Jones for s- stealing a living. I don't know how he's done that. Uh, and secondly, we've uh, had people upset that he's on the bench tonight, available for selection. Um, let me just say a couple of things. First of all, I'm not sure if this is still the case. I'm pretty confident it is. When players are injured, insurance companies almost always pay their wages. Right now, uh, I don't know if they pay 100%, but I think they pay a significant portion of it. So Phil Jones will have been insured. So, but when you look at the money that hemorrhages out of United, Phil Jones is you're talking about pennies here. When we're talking about the real culprits of, you know, I would rather a player gets paid than an executive who does nothing for that money. But use United as a to prostitute their brand across the world to, to monetize everything. At least the player entertains me. At least the player does something for the shirt. So 
and I would also encourage you to not use how much money someone makes as a metric for your empathy because it's completely irrelevant. Phil Jones lost his career to injury, to illness. Whatever he made, he could have made a hell of a lot more being fit. And he can't leave and go to another club when no other club's going to take him. Who's going to pay his wages? Who's going to sign him? I mean, if you're someone in, sitting in a boardroom and you need a defender and your answer is Phil Jones, maybe you need to ask the question again because he's not capable of playing a 38-game season. My, my, essentially in, in, in Owen Hargreaves' territory, I don't think he'll ever be fit enough to play football again. It wasn't Owen Hargreaves' fault either. Owen Hargreaves didn't steal a living. So this happens. But, um, you know, <clears throat> so I don't, I, I wish the guy nothing but the very best. And as a United fan, so should you too. Don't Absolutely. pick and choose. Yeah, I mean, sorry, man, it just it bothers me. It's just in, in an era of whenever, um, you know, we're becoming a little bit more conscious of people's physical and mental health. What Phil Jones is going through, and when I read some of the comments in his interviews, it's really disheartening because he's so ubiquitously loathed. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense. And the, the interview you gave with Jonathan Northcroft at the weekend was an eye-opener. Um, the, the one person I want to criticise, and I don't often like to criticise people on this show um, personally, and I'm not going to criticise a person in, in a personal fashion, I suppose, but I'm going to criticise their words and, and their actions in this case. And that man is Rio Ferdinand. Rio Ferdinand mm -hmm, was a teammate you. of Phil Jones. A teammate of Phil Jones. Now, Rio Ferdinand might think Phil Jones could have done more during his time at the club, but for Rio Ferdinand to come out and question his professionalism and his effort to stay fit and, and, and get fit, I thought was disgusting. And the reason I say disgusting, and I, and I know that's a strong word, is because, as I say, he was a fellow teammate of Phil Jones who won, he, he won a league title with Phil Jones while he was at the club. Two... If Rio Ferdinand someone with Manchester United's best interests at heart, now that's all up for debate and I'll let other people debate that, you wouldn't come out and absolutely savage a player who hasn't even been on the park this season, Phil, to have a poor performance that you could say has let United down. Phil Jones is trying to get fit. The manager of the football club has said he's had a really difficult time. I had really difficult knee injuries and I'm disappointed in Rio. So I, just that comment frustrated me. And I think that comment from such a high profile figure, it's an easy, easy go-to person, Phil Jones. And it gets a certain breed of fans online to say, ha, 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 let's mock Phil Jones. Let's jump in the bandwagon. And, and if he's saying it, it must be true. And, 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 it, and it annoys me deeply because that interview at the weekend, he talked about having a nice bath and all this sort of thing set up so that when he came in from training in a match, he could get into it straight away and to really try and get to really try everything that he possibly could. He talked about not being able to run around and spend the time with his kids that he wanted to because he could even potentially at times break down just playing around in the garden. If that doesn't make you have empathy for another human being, then I question that because there are so many listeners to this that will have kids of their own, Phil, you've got kids of your own. And all you want is the best for your kids. All you want to do is make them happy and have good memories with them. So the fact that the man's coming out and saying that at times he struggled to do that because of his illness and because of his injury, football at the end of the day comes second to that. And it would be great to have him on the pitch. It would be great to have him back fit. But I have some respect for the man. 
He's got over 20 caps for England. He's won a Premier League title. He's played at the highest level. Yes, his body has broken down in recent years, but there are players out there who would be delighted with the career he's had so far. And I wish him nothing but success. If he can play for United regularly in the future, he's the sort of person I would like to see the club invest in in a coaching role. We've seen it in the past with examples like Brendan Rodgers, someone who, who had to retire from the game due to injury. Eddie Howe's another one. And they invested in coaching. Um, they got opportunities and they were able to develop themselves. I really hope Phil Jones has opportunities like that if his playing days are going to be limited because it'd be a shame to lose him from the game. He certainly will have experience. He certainly got experience from playing the game. He will have learned an awful lot about himself and the mental aspects of football through these injuries. And I think he can be an asset to United going forward. It might not be on the park anymore. And I think there has to be a decision made between Phil and the club, maybe at the end of this season, if he can't maybe play two or three games in a row, which is doubtful. But for me, if you're one of these people that is mocking him for the way he looks or mocking him because he's injured or he's a waste of a wage, seriously think about what you're saying because there's a human being who's reading this at the end of the day and there's a family there as well. Well, here's the thing about Rio Ferdinand. The difference between Rio Ferdinand and Phil Jones is Rio Ferdinand chose to betray Manchester United. Phil Jones didn't. Uh, Phil Jones never chose a single injury. Um, but Rio Ferdinand, however, did choose to... Um, well, hang on. He, he he forgot. You know, he he really forgot to take that uh, drug test. Really, genuinely forgot. There was absolutely no other reason. Um, but uh, he also chose, or maybe he forgot. He played for Manchester United when he went and met with Peter Kenyon behind um, Ferguson's back. Maybe he forgot Ferguson was his manager, and maybe he forgot that United made him the world's most expensive defender. Um, and maybe he forgot what he owed to Manchester United fans, you know, but um, or maybe what he was doing was creating a chance for one of the youth team players to come through. You know, that Rio was so concerned about. Uh, he was so concerned he went to QPR, you know, after going to Manchester United and blocked the kid from coming through the youth ranks. You know, our good old, uh, you know, you know, you altruistic Rio. Um, I won't mention anything else about his other decisions in life. But to morally pontificate to Phil Jones from that man, which quite frankly is despicable. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I could say a lot and I won't. <clears throat> um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I wish Phil Jones nothing but the best. Um, I, I don't, you know, I would like to see him get a coach. No, I don't think he'd own, own that. But uh, certainly I would like to see him, you know, get some peace and, uh, you know, and, and, and get some fortune as he goes forward with his career, because what what he's lost, you know, you're a guy that, uh, Alec Ferguson is ridiculed for his Duncan Edwards statement, but what it really indicates is just how highly rated a young player he was. You know, when you had to beat Blackburn that day, 7-1, he was the best player Blackburn had on the pitch. And he was fantastic. He was a, he was a leader, a captain. He flew, and by the way, he never weren't the only team that wanted him, right? So there was loads of teams that wanted Phil Jones at the time. So, um, you know, amazing, amazing prospect who lost his entire career. Um, but anyway, we will go ahead and uh, move on from that. Um, but, uh, Callum, another thing, I'm not sure if you saw this tonight. Um, did you see what Wamada did when he got taken off? He looked very, very disappointed. You see, he still refused to take a tracksuit? I saw it. He looked as if he was absolutely steaming with rage. Did he go down yes. the tunnel or did he go and sit with the subs? Because well, the camera panned away from what we had over here. 
I saw them trying to give him his tracksuit, and he, I'm not sure if it was Mike Freeland or who, but he just totally snubbed him. Didn't look too happy at being taken off. It looked like a pre-arranged substitution, though, because it was right on 60 minutes for Mason Greenwood. And he would have looked quite silly if Greenwood had taken that chance. But uh, the most, the, the 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 nicest man in the world shows that he's got a bit of a chippy said. Absolutely. And I think that competitive edge is, is what you want to see. You could argue there's a time and a place when you should show it, but he's an experienced player. And, and deep down, he might, I'm sure he'll explain himself. He always does one matter. And maybe he was just really peeved off with his own personal performance. Maybe he felt it was a big opportunity for him to, to have an extended period of time in the pitch, but he doesn't often get at his age. And maybe he's just really peeved off with his own performance rather than actually being served for Greenwood, who is obviously an exceptional player, as he'll know as well as we do. So um, I'm sure he'll explain it, but it's good to see that that competitive edge is still in someone who is in the last few years of their career anyway. Yes, completely agree. And, uh, so, um, lastly, United Aston Villa this weekend. Um, United at home. What's your expectation? I think Aston Villa are a side that, that definitely will pose some interesting questions for United. I think going forward, I think Villa have got good options going forward, even though they've lost Jack Grealish. So I'm interested to see how United will deal with with that counter attack. I think in terms of the midfield area, um, obviously fellow Scotsman John McGinn is very energetic and I think he will look to really take on um, whoever's playing in that central midfield area alongside McTominay. If it's Pogba, I think he'll be looking to get forward as much as he can and try and test Pogba in the defensive element. Um, but if he maybe lines up in a more defensive manner and goes with two holders, then, then maybe he'll be restricted to doing that. Let's be brutally honest, Phil. If United put, when United put out their full-strength team, they should be expecting to beat Aston Villa. The thing that I am desperate for this weekend is a performance as well as the result. But if you ask me now, I'll take another drab 1-0 win if I have to. I, I want to see United really impose themselves on a game for an extended period of time. Um, I know Melissa tried to say that United didn't have any dominance against West Ham at the weekend. And I don't know how she quite watched that game via a Liverpool TV subscription. But I suppose mm. maybe they show the games as well. You just never know. Um, so I would like to see United dominate the game for an extended period of time. I would like to see us score an early goal and then go on and potentially build on it because one of the things at the moment, and obviously the Golden Young Boys in that unfortunate game obviously came relatively early, you could say, but the, against Newcastle again, it's on the crux of half time. Um, you look at other games, Southampton, it's a, it's a late goal. I want to see United score in the first 10 or 15 minutes and see if they can build on it rather than have a nervy end to a first half and or an every beginning to a second half. I really want to see how the team can perform when they go a goal up early to see if they can add another and then play with confidence because we really, as I say, need a good performance. And I think, although Villa, as I say, will cause United problems going forward, I think they are a team that have shown with their defeat to Watford that they can concede goals themselves. So get an early goal, go on the front foot and hopefully put in a performance as well as a positive result. Yeah, I think and you look at Villa's two away games, uh, lost the Watford 3-2, lost the Chelsea 3-0, they've conceded six away from home. They're two, they've, they've had three games at home, one, two, drawn one. So they're not great away from home. Uh, you look at some of their weaknesses, they're not great against counter-attacks and what have you. Uh, I think United will um, I think United will, will, will win that game. And uh, I think uh, a very, very important... Because one of the things that you see, Callum, is um, after United lose, they invariably follow that up with a win. And um, Melissa Raddy 
you know, here's the thing just to finish up on that, Matt. It is not important to me that she worked for Liverpool TV. It's not important to me that she's in a relationship with Sadio Mane. I like Jimmy Carragher, right? Uh, I like his analysis, and I think he is, you know, he, he's relatively fair with his analysis. I know he's a Liverpool supporter, but that's irrelevant to me. It's all about can you look at a game and remove your own bias from your analysis? I think Gary Neville does that well. Um, what, what she said in the article is just factually incorrect. You know, they dominated every metric um, and they won the game. And in fact, they won a game that a referee really should have been the headlining. Um, for, but, but he wasn't. Uh, and of course, there's no other football club. If that had happened in reverse, the crescendo of criticism towards Martin Atkinson and the accusations of favouritism, everything else, would have reached favour pitch. Right? We know that. So... Um, it was a brilliant, brilliant result away at West Ham against a team that's been widely lauded and the manager's been widely lauded. So I think it's a fantastic three points. Uh, anything to add, mate, before you go? Um, just as always, thank you very much for um, listening to the show. Thank you for the support that you give Phil and I. There was a few nice comments when you announced <laughs> that we were going to be recording after the game tonight that really brightened my mood um, as you're going through the, the Monday and Tuesday of of any week so thank you for all the support and it's as always felt it's a pleasure to do the show with yourself same with me Matt much thanks for doing it Callum and a massive thank you to each and every one of you for all your downloads likes retweets comments everything uh, honestly it's it, it beyond flattering to me we've been doing this for years and I still never get used to it it still means a lot to me um, every time and I get some lovely comments random comments and uh, all of them mean a lot to me trust me Callum all the best mate and uh, folks we'll be back again next week so uh, we'll talk to you then Take it easy, mate. All the best. Take care. Cheers, folks. Bye.